This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 27, submission number 743. The Bud Ball. The Bud Bowl was a series of Super Bowl commercials by Anheuser-Busch for the Super Bowls between 1989 and 1997. And they were groundbreaking. Yes. Oh, my. I I have so many good memories of this. Now, not necessarily because I was a drinker back when it first started, but I don't know about you guys. My cousin and I... Probably starting around Bud Bowl three, we actually wagered on the game, on the Bud Bowl, not the Super Bowl, the, the Bud Bowl. And I'm not kidding; he must have had inside information because I don't think I ever beat him. I think he always won. Now there's small wagers, you know, like a dollar, five dollars. I mean, he would have been all of probably about thirteen, fourteen when Bud Bowl started, and I would have been probably about a year older than him. So it was all in jest, but he won like. Every every year, and that just irritated me. I'm going to get you next year, and not even joking. I never won. So I think he had some inside information. He knew somebody at the Anheuser-Busch Corporation, and he told him he got the inside scoop on who won the game. Yeah, he knew this as a 14-year-old. What is he doing knowing this stuff as a 14-year-old back then? You know what? No judgment. Uh, but, but if he was going to ask somebody... I know who he would ask about the Bud Bowl. A man by the name of Grant Pace was working at Darcy Massius Benton and Bowls in 1989. He developed the uh, Battle of the Bottles as a one-off during that year's Super Bowl. But here's the thing. Anheuser-Busch executives loved it so much, and it really drummed up sales. So they decided to make it an ongoing thing. Yes. Yeah, and in case you don't know, this wasn't shown like one commercial during the Super Bowl. It was like a continuous thing. Okay, at the end of the first quarter, they show like the first quarter of the Bud Bowl. At halftime, they show not just the second quarter uh, highlights, but also they would have a halftime show included as well. So this would be like, five or six ads over the course of the Super Bowl, which kept you interested. How is the Bud Bowl going to end these stupid fake beer bottles? And of and it's amazing because the first this was designed to keep people's interest in the game because usually at that time, the Super Bowls were basically a very boring game. However, it happened to be that in the first Bud Bowl in 1989, the Super Bowl that year, actually turned out to be one of the most exciting Super Bowls of all time between the San Francisco 49ers and Cincinnati Bengals. That was the famous Super Bowl where Joe Montana led the game-winning drive for a minute left, and he spotted John Candy in the stands eating popcorn. So, as Greg said, yeah, a lot of the Super Bowls in recent history at that point were blowouts. You had the Bears absolutely demolishing the Patriots. Oh, the Patriots lost for once. Tee-hee-hee. They got demolished in 86 and in 1988, the Redskins absolutely trounced the Denver Broncos. And I say this as a Browns fan. The Denver Broncos deserve to get trounced in that game. 
John Elway, got two middle fingers up for you. Is that the year the Ernest Binder fumble happened in 88? You just like reopening the wounds. Yeah, that that was the 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 fumble by Ernest Biner, and that was the year after the drive. And and the good thing is, I've met Ernest Biner, and he's like totally over it. Cleveland's totally over it. I mean, stuff happens. Okay. Uh, he and he actually wrote a book about it. Basically, saying, it was basically like a giant apology. Not say an apology. It was biographical, but there was a big part of the book which was like. You know, I'm sorry if I let Cleveland down. Yeah, you know, will you forgive me? And he's a, a great guy. He's actually replied to me a couple of times on on social media. Total class act, and I mean, maybe a fringe Hall of Famer, but uh, he, he definitely has the numbers, and he's a class act too. So yeah, thank you, Greg, for reminding me about the Denver beating the Browns in in '87 and '88. So the first Bud Bowl was. Very, very hyped. It was hyped in like supermarkets. There was like there was like a big hype of ads leading up to it. And the guy who did the narration for the ads is actually somebody who we'll be talking about sometime later this year. The legendary late ABC promo announcer Ernie Anderson. Yeah, so, so you have Ernie, so you have Ernie Anderson as your announcer, and already you're getting hyped because, again, this is Bud Bowl. This is not just this is not just any contest. This is Bud Bowl. This time, it's for it's real. It's for real. You have um, Bush Stadium, of course. Why not? Because Anheuser Bush is located in St. Louis, and Mike is. Wouldn't this have been around the time the the uh, Cardinals had already left for Phoenix? The St. Louis Cardinals had actually moved to Phoenix that previous year. They were uh, in St. Louis up until 87. Then they moved to Phoenix in 88. So this is right after they moved. Yes, yeah, so we have that. And also, announced in the game, we have beer-bottled versions of Bob Costas and Paul McGuire because obviously... The Super Bowl that year, 1989, was on NBC. Yeah. The inaugural Bud Bowl was billed as Thunder and Lightning Showdown between two beers with contrasting styles. Bud, which boasted the vaunted Beechwood backs, favored a rushing attack, while Bud Light's pass first, acts questions later attack was led by a QB with Tom Brady-like numbers. 49 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. <laughs> Wonder if he got help from a beer bottled version of Alex Guerrero. Oh. The back and forth game featured all sorts of excitement. Bud Light executed a flea flicker to perfection, while Bud's appliance of defiance, the freezer, gave Bud Light defenders headaches all night. And folks, the freezer, of course, if you don't know, was a reference to Chicago Bears legend William Perry, who famously scored a touchdown in Super Bowl Twenty. Of course, William Perry was still around in the league th- at this point in 1989. He was not really the cultural sensation he was back in 1985. He would still be on the Bears until 1992, but his impact was felt even in this inaugural Bud Bowl. No, it was his brother at the time that was making the impact, Michael Dean Perry. Yeah. 
Again, my Browns influence, but continue. Yeah. You know, this was speak. This was remember. This was back in 1989. Uh, I want to say a year or two after. Fun fact: William Refrigerator Perry was a Joe. And not only that, knowing is half the battle. And not only that, but William Perry was also in future entry WrestleMania 2 in the WWF NFL Battle Royal in Chicago. So, yeah, he had work. Oh, yeah. Just ask Big John Stud. No, okay, that was so, a that was he had a work, huh? Oh, I got it, I got it. Well, while the while the 49ers and the Bengals were in a tight contest to see who would win, the Bud Bowl was tied up all at twenty four, and it fell on the shoulders of one man for Budweiser, their kicker Budski. Bud Budski, the seven ounce nip bottle place kicker. He wobbled onto the field to attempt a 42-yard field goal. The kick bounced off the crossbar and left upright before falling through, sending the boozed-up crowd of Bud beer cans into a frenzy. Or, uh, fizzy frenzy. The boozed-up Bud cans into a fizzy frenzy. Final score. Budweiser 27, Bud Light 24. And of course, there's a teaser from one of the Bud Light players saying, wait till next year. Of course, meaning that we will get more Bud Bowl greatness to come. Yeah, thank heavens the whole series didn't flop or else that's a horrible prediction. That would be a really bad party foul. Oh, very bad. But there are actually, believe it or not, two alternate endings. What? And, and, And both of these would have been classic. The first one actually had the ending of the Bud Bowl being cut away to the movie Heidi in reference to the Heidi game uh, back in the 60s. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. And it would have made sense because guess what network it was on? It was on NBC. NBC. There you go. NBC, and of course, NBC ruins everything. Apologies to Adam Conover. <laughs> and a second alternate ending... Oh, it was an incident where two of the players were p- actually picked up by a man from the fridge. <laughs> Abruptly ending the game as a 24-24 tie. <laughs> Basically, Tommy was falling the entire spectacle. While the bud, while the bud cans of Bob Costas and Paul McGuire are just in a frenzy saying, What are we going to do? Call the commissioner. Call somebody. Leading up to this game, there was a video press kit, which you can actually find on YouTube, and Greg was daring enough to watch it, and he's got some stuff to say about that. Greg? Yes. I have thoughts. Yeah, so we have a kit, and it teases Bud Ball 1. You have the Ernie Anderson narration, and you have Dick Enberg introducing the Bud Ball and explaining what this is going to be. And then you get into a weird segment with Chris Bourbon and Roy Firestone like hyping the Bud Bowl, but also you get Roy Firestone doing weird impersonations of Keith Jackson, and then he does an interview with a player from Budweiser and Bud Light as Howard Cosell. 
That makes absolutely no sense. No, seriously, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, in fact, we'll play a clip of that interview right here. Hello again, everybody. With me today via satellite, two quarterbacks of the opposing teams. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time to join us today. Good to be here, Howard. Yeah, our pleasure, Howard. All right. Quite directly. Tell me, this game, this clash of the Titans, this battle of the beverages, this legendary matchup of the libations will be watched by some 100 million viewers. Are you feeling the inevitable onset of the pre-confrontational butterflies? Nah. We just want to kick some bud. Hey, lighten up. Hey, you lighten up. All right, all right. Your respective offenses are asymmetrically opposed. In point of fact, do you foresee any radical readjustments to account for these counteractive approaches? I, I, I never took good good arithmetic. I, I have no idea. Uh, Howard, uh, we have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my pontification. Perhaps I can at least proffer a prediction from either of you gentlemen. Uh, pontifer, who, uh, Howard, look, these are two strong teams and it should be neck and neck. Yeah, uh, Howard, you're going to expect a real brouhaha, you know what I mean? Yeah, ha, ha, ha. All right, <laughs> thank you, and good luck. Good night, Howard. Yeah, good night, Howard. See you at the Bud Bowl. Yeah, Chico, it absolutely makes no sense. Why is... Roy Firestone doing an impersonation of Howard Cosell. I bet he probably thinks, well, it's just probably going to be like 100 people are going to watch this on a VHS tape. It's not like anybody in 30 years is going to watch this anytime they want. Yeah, it's not like anybody's going to make a podcast where they talk about all the Bud Bowl games. Well, I will justify him being in that. Roy Firestone was was the great interviewer at ESPN on the t- at the time. Before they had all the talk shows. Bud Bowl 2. Yeah, so it's been a year. After a year of waiting. After months of hype. It's time to rock and roll. Later today on CBS. Yeah, folks, that's probably the only time in his distinguished career that Ernie Anderson ever said the letters on voice recording of CBS. And yeah, I might actually fight that because when Ernie Anderson started here in Cleveland, he was on the CBS affiliate. Yeah, but I mean, does any of this self-limitation-wide sense I agree with you, yes. Yeah, there you go. So let's go to the frozen tundra of Bush Stadium, which right now would be in St. Louis, but back in 1990, who knows where it is? Budweiser overcame a gritty performance by butt-like quarterback Bud Wade Joe and scored the winning touchdown as time expired. When an offensive player advanced a fumble, which, by the way, is illegal in NFL rules. And according to the Chicago Sun-Times, Anheuser-Busch received hundreds, hundreds of telephone calls about the play over the course of the next week, prompting the St. Louis 
based brewery to respond thusly. In the National Football League, of course, the offensive team cannot advance a fumble in the final two minutes of a game unless the ball is recovered by the same player who fumbled it. However, no such rule exists in the BFL, the Budweiser Football League. That's a good way to justify it. In the NFL, you can't do it, but in our league, you can. Hey, isn't that how the XFL started? That's sort of where I was going to go next. But again, that's another entry for another day. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing, the Bud Light coach was an impersonation of Bear Bryant. Boy, that's yep. a little dated. Just a little bit. So with Bud Ball 2, now that the Super Bowl is on CBS this year in Super Bowl 24, which, by the way, unlike the previous year, was a very terrible game. That was the 49ers 55-10 to blowout of the Broncos. Yep. But you have... For Bud Bowl 2, the announcers this time are beer-bottled versions of Brent Musburger and Terry Bradshaw. Because this game would be on CBS. So it's interesting to note that this would be, ironically, Super Bowl 24 would be one of Brent Musburger's final assignments for CBS. Because later, of course, in the year, he'd be fired during the middle of the final four that year. And of course he would later go on that year to go to ABC and ESPN where he remained until he retired recently. Uh, of all, and of all days, April 1st, April fool's day. He was fired. Shame. Uh, ouch. Yeah. So we also see the debut of Budweiser's featured backs. Billy and Bobby Bud from Texas, and if I'm and in Bud Ball too, one of the uh, things is they bring back the freezer. They try Bud Light tries to stop the freezer with the washer, the dryer, but that's not all. They brought him too. They brought the kitchen sink to try to stop the freezer, but the freezer works a fake handoff to Bobby Bud. Who goes to the washer, the dryer, and the kitchen sink for a touchdown? And there's even a line from uh, that Bud Bowl. Folks, they're throwing everything at him, but no, he's here too. The kitchen sink. <laughs> but that's not all. But also, I should note, the end of Bud Bowl 2, the freezer is asked, how he feels by beer bottle Terry Bradshaw about winning back-to-back titles. And there's the debut of what would go on to be the Budweiser catchphrase, nothing beats a bud. Interesting how that works out, isn't it? And the end result of the Bud Bowl that year was Budweiser narrowly beat Bud Light 36-34. Hey, have you noticed that all the games were relatively close? There was never a blowout in this series. Hmm, I wonder why. Drama. Drama, drama, drama. All the drama. But it looks, but I'm looking at the uh, press kit for Bud Bowl 2. By the way, Freezer, he's a big boy. Yeah, uh, it, it looks like they recycled some of the uh, graphics from Bud Bowl 1, obviously. But, but interesting, interesting fact. Do you know how much? It, do you know how long it takes to make three seconds worth of film? 
Oh, no. I don't. Well, stop animation. It must take some time. Three seconds. So that would be probably 90 frames. I'm guessing that would probably take minimum probably like three or four hours. Try eight. Ow. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah. People were racking up overtime there. Dang. I mean, it's so white in 1937, but then again, what is? So now we get into the third Bud Ball, Bud Ball 3. So in the lead-up to this Bud Ball, the Bud Light quarterback, Budway Joe, yeah, Budway Joe, very clever, huh? He suffers a season-ending injury, and what does Bud Light do to replace him? They replace him with their top draft choice, Bud Drive. Hey, folks, do you remember Bud Dry? I remember it. Never had it, but I remember it. Same here. That'll be in someone's spinoff broadcast. It was a thing at the brewery. That'll probably be hosted by my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Bud Bowl 3 would go down to be one of the greatest Bud Bowls of all time. Bud Light opens up a big first quarter lead on Bud, but the King of Beers roars back behind Billy Bud and Bobby Bud. Second half touchdown from the Freezer, a.k.a. the Appliance of Defiance, ties the game. Bud Light gets a field goal to take a 17-14 lead. But a late touchdown from Budweiser's grabs gives Bud a four-point lead with just seconds to go. Bud Light returns the kickoff for the touchdown, going Cal style. In fact, it was not seen since the big game back in 1982, also known worldwide as The Play. Final score, Bud Light 23, Budweiser 21. Keith ja- Beer bottle versions of Keith no, 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 oh, wait, no. Wait, they were beer bottle versions? No, they got the actual Keith Jackson and Don Meredith for this version of the Bud Ball. Because, of course, as we know, the Bud Ball this year was in conjunction with the Super Bowl, which was on ABC, which, of course, would be the Giants-Bill Super Bowl. And, and uh, for those folks in Buffalo... I don't want to relive that pain for you, so you're welcome. And I think I can speak for Mike and Greg when I say, Whoa, Nelly! Oh, yeah, it was a good game on the field, both for the Super Bowl and the Bud Bowl that year. Two classics. That was Super Bowl 25, wasn't it? Yes. That was Super Bowl twenty five. Yeah. So I mean that was probably I would say one of the best in history, if not the best. Yeah, it's like Super Bowl twenty five, the Super Bowl to end all Super Bowls. And, and that's just talking about the game itself, not even including the national anthem from Whitney Houston, which is probably the best rendition ever. Yep. But also during the game during the uh, commercials with the Bud you had Bud Ball updates from Chris Berman telling you what happened. And of course my favorite is uh Chico, you talked about the touchdown by Grabs. It's a Hail Mary pass, and Chris Berman says it's up for Grabs, and Grabs has it. And it's the beer <laughs> bottle, the beer bottle using his funnel to go all the way up and grab the ball. So, yeah. So, Bud Light ends Budweiser's streak of two Bud Balls in a row. 
And uh, then we, we have, get. Wait, then wait, we, before we take, before you get to the next game, this is the line of the night. Bud laterals to Bud. Bud pitches to Bud. Bud flips it to Ralph. Ralph. But did the game end in a ridiculous fashion? Yes. A Bud Light bottle named Ralph scored the game-winning touchdown while holding a sousaphone. What? The band was on the field. Can you imagine if this year's Super Bowl ended in wacky fashion, guys? Like, say, Travis Kelsey scores the winning touchdown and somehow the football is trapped in a saxophone. Who'd bring a saxophone to a Super Bowl? Maybe Lisa Simpson. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I mean, the game is on Fox this year. Well, clearly they wanted to get to the masked singer on time. Yeah, that's not going to happen, by the way. Anyway, as good as Bud Bowl 3 was, Bud Bowl 4 was infinitely not. Yeah. So instead of showing Bud Bottles, we had Chris Berman narrating one fan's request to retrieve Bud Bowl sweepstakes ticket that his girlfriend had mistakenly thrown away because fans in this Bud Bowl had a chance to win up to a million dollars the final score of the bud bowl matched the score on their game cards which were a staple of the later bud bowls so we have actually the the boyfriend is played by david bow who you would best know as weird al's best friend in uhf he's the guy in the chicago cubs hat by the way in uhf yeah yes we know who david bow is so after a predictably disastrous turn of events that involves a trash can, a police car, and a pigeon, the pitiful hero manages to retrieve his ticket and arrives home just in time to catch the final score of the Bud Bowl. And lo and behold, oh my God, can you believe this? He was a winner. But after he put the ticket down to celebrate with an ice-cold Budweiser and began recounting his stupid story to some of his friends, it then went to a dog who wandered into the room and, well... You can guess what happens after that. Dogs do what dogs do. And, and, Rover, and Rover didn't see Monday morning after that. So the final score of Bud Ball 4, Budweiser wins its third Bud Ball in four years, winning 27-24. And the less said about Bud Ball 4, the better. Now we get to Bud Bowl 5, where the Budweiser people were probably like, oh, crap, people really must like those beer bottles. Okay, let's bring the beer bottles back. But not only did they bring the beer bottles back, they had the beer bottles in CG. And not only did they bring the beer bottles back in CG, they had coaches for Bud Bowl 5. Wait, wait, that's not the weird bit. The coaches were Joe Namath and... For reasons known only to Anheuser-Busch, Corbin Burnson. Well, the Super Bowl would have been in 1983 that year, and the Super Bowl would have been on NBC, and L.A. Law would have still been on the air in 1983, so it would make perfect sense to have Corbin Burnson be a coach for the Bud Bowl. Hashtag corporate synergy. Yeah. So, uh, Bud Bud is out to a commanding 35-7 to lead. Corbin Burnson decides to call on his secret weapon. It isn't the fridge. It isn't the 
freezer. It's not the washer or the dryer. It's not the dog from Bud Bowl 4, which was probably put down afterwards. No, it was the Illuminator. Now, you're probably asking to yourself, what was the Illuminator? What is the Illuminator? A beer truck that, that turns Transformer style into their secret weapon. Whoa! The Illuminator scores 24 straight, and he runs in for the game-winning score. However, and this is where you just have to go, again, calling back from the previous episode of this podcast, play the clip, Mike. What is going on? (laughs) What is going on? A claw from the Bud Blimp comes down and knocks the ball out of his hands. Bud recovers on the one and wins 35 to 31. Cue Joe Namath shaking his fist at the blimp. That was just, oh my goodness, that was just... I I thought I have seen everything in these commercials up to this point. For some reason, I'm getting like a Scooby-Doo vibe. I, I see Joe Namath looking at the blimp. If it wasn't for you darn blimps, I would have won! But remember, Joe Namath was the uh, uh, coach of, but, of the Budweiser, so he's probably shaking his fist at Triumph or something. Yeah, yeah, he's probably very happy that they survived this. Because let's be honest, though, I gotta be honest. Even though I'm a, even though I gotta, I appreciate Joe Namath being from New York and everything. I gotta say though, it is kind of a tainted victory to have a claw come into the air and stop the Illuminator. It was kind of like the Pete Carroll play call of having Russell Wilson pass on second and goal with Marshawn Lynch at the one. No, too soon, man. Too soon. We should also add the the announcers for this game were Ahmad Rashad, and maybe a name you're not familiar with, but she was had a, a bit of popularity back in the day. Karen Duffy, who was a, an MTV VJ. Yes. Wow. And of course, this would be a year before Karen Duffy would be would have her most famous role, in my opinion, in the 1994 Disney movie Blank Check. All right, so now we head into Bud Ball 6. And this time, I think for the coaching aspect in Bud Ball 6, they really upped up their game with this. For Budweiser, you have Mike Ditka. And for Bud Light, you have Bum Phillips. Wow. And we're just stunned. I'm looking at Bud Phillips right now. He is stone-faced. Yeah, that's exactly how he was back in the day with the Oilers and the Saints. Just just serious with his cowboy hat and everything. Yep, and in the studio, calling the action, Marv Albert. Yes! After the game, I'm going to bite someone's back. Yes! Oh, jeez. Nah, boy. Uh, Bud Light took an early lead on a naked reverse after its quarterback shed his... Label at the line of scrimmage. Bud countered with a kickoff return for a touchdown by the basher. 
a 24-ounce can of aluminum dominance, who was penalized for excessive celebration, and then ejected for cursing at the referee. Yes, this is how big things have gone for the Bud Bowl. They had a can on the field. This is how serious they were on the Bud Bowl. They were integrating more and more stuff for the Bud Bowl. They brought cans into it as well as bottles. Okay, at the half, it's 14-7, to seven, and in the third, Bud Light's unnamed quarterback catches his own pass. He caught his own... Did he just Russell Wilson that pass? Runs in the ball for the score. So this was basically the Bud Bowl equivalent of the Philly special. In this was the Bud Bowl equivalent of the Philly special from 1994. Oh, but then the, 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 then we have a windstorm coming in in the second half. Are you kidding me? What? I mean, come on, again. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Budweiser blips pick up the stadium and drop the entire game into a bar. A fan reaches onto the field, grabs a Bud defensive back, freeing Bud Light for a game-winning touchdown. And in perhaps the most lopsided Bud Bowl victory ever, because they're all very close, Bud Light wins 20-14. to 14. Wow, so Bum Phillips finally gets off the schneid and wins a big game. Good for him. Uh, and to quote Marv Albert, I don't know where this game is headed, but this is what I call a beer run. But guys, the best part of Bud Bowl 6 was when the basher burst through the wall, Kool-Aid Manstel, and berated Marv Albert. I am looking at the animated gif of that right now. It is classic. The basher is the hero we needed. Somebody to to bash Marv Albert. He probably did a lot of good in 1994, the basher, and God bless him. So after the Bud Ball, we get into a comment from syndicated sports humor columnist and someone I think, Mike, you, you and I know very well from reading over the years, Mr. Norman Chad. Oh, I yes. know that guy. Very, very funny and very respected, yes. Okay, so Norman Chad wrote about the Bud Bowl in 1984. My biggest problem with the whole Bud Bowl thing is that they never have any good teams playing. I mean, if the Anheuser-Busch bigwigs had any brass at all, they'd get, say, Heineken and Samuel Adams every once in a while. Heck, Bud Light's like Notre Dame. It doesn't matter what their record is. They're ball-bound. Yeah, not wrong. Nope. But, of course... This would kind of be I, the last year that they would kind of go with this format because now we go into the uh, now we go into the unmemorable Bud Bowls where it ends the, with a whimper. Would you say this is worse than Bud Bowl Four? I would say this is worse than Bud Bowl Four. So they give us in Bud Bowl Seven in nineteen ninety five. Their ad campaign at the time, which was a bunch of castaways on an island named 
Iggy, Biff, and Frank watching Bud Bowl 7 unfold on a desert island. Here's a, here's a question. They're on a desert island, but they have a working TV. How does that, how do they get electricity on the island? Coconuts. Haven't you ever seen Gilligan's Island? Exactly. How did Gilligan and uh, all the castaways stay stranded on that island for so long? Even though they had communication, they had CB radios or, or radios of some sort, they were still stuck on that island and never could get off. Okay, so with Bud trailing late in the game, Iggy was somehow transported off the island and into the game where he caught a pass and began rumbling toward the end zone and 80 yards later in a dreamlike montage of press clippings and cereal boxes commemorating his newfound celebrity Iggy gave Budweiser its fifth Bud Ball win that game made absolutely no sense yeah this is the, the jumping the shark moment all right, let me look at the timeline here. Bud Bowl 6 was in 1994, obviously one of their best showings. And then a year later, you have Bud Bowl 7, which was... What kind of F star 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 e is this? Uh, it was Bud trying to combine one of their existing commercial franchises in terms of the the uh, people stranded on the desert island with the one franchise that every year for the Super Bowl, uh, for at least the last, at that point, six years, was a rousing success. And it turned into a giant mess. I mean, the only way this could have been worse, and this was probably around that time, maybe a little bit later, is that they had the Budweiser frog somehow morph into the game. Oh, oh boy. Don't give any anybody- Putting any ideas. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you can tell that Budweiser was really straining for ideas at the end of that one. So now we get into Bud Ball 8 asterisks. Because I know in the uh, research that we're using in the Mental Frost article that says that there was no Bud Ball, but doing research, there, there was actually a Bud Ball 8. But it wasn't really anything special. It was just a collection of commercials with some guy in a football helmet in first-person mode. And the gimmick for that Bud Ball was, like, kind of similar to Bud Ball 4, where you had, like, a ticket. You scratched it off, and it revealed what the winning play was. And if you had the winning play for that year's Bud Ball, you'd win, like, a million dollars. And for the record, the winning play was Naked Reverse. Winning play, Naked Reverse. So that's all we have to say about Bud Bowl 8. And it should be noted that that uh, year's uh, Super Bowl was the 96 one with the Steelers and Cowboys. And that actually was an exciting Super Bowl. The the Larry Brown Super Bowl with the uh, winning interception off uh, Neil O'Donnell. And the less said about Neil O'Donnell, the better. So that leads us to what would be the final Bud Bowl telecast. It would be unofficially Bud Bowl 9 because it's not mentioned anywhere near in the commercial. In fact, it's only one spot long. It stars Howie Long and Ronnie Lott because the Super Bowl was on Fox that year. The first Super Bowl on Fox, as a matter of fact. Yep. 
And it was just uh, people in a bar watching the game. They open the fridge. Guess what's happening? Bud Bowl 9. Guy gets thrown out of the bar, and guess who he meets? A crocodile. Not the frogs. A crocodile. And the final score, like any, like it matters, was 27-24. to 24. Budweiser wins its sixth Bud Bowl. That ad ended with the fan who was uh, removed from the bar. When he got to the alligator, he said a phrase which was actually probably a little popular back in the day on Bud ads. I love you, man. And that, my friends, was the history of the Bud Bowl. It left a great impact on television and the Super Bowl. It certainly made for an exciting game in years where the Super Bowl was terrible. Guys, the Bud Bowl has its place in history in our hearts, and it was a thing on TV. It was a very refreshing thing on TV. It, It was a great thing on TV that we remember from our respective childhoods. Or even, in my case and and Chico's case, our teenage years. I'll say this. This year's Super Bowl, I don't think Patrick Mahomes, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think they can go toe-to-toe with Budway Joe or the Freezer or the Basher or the Illuminator. Illuminator. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if the... If somehow Kyle Shanahan during the middle of the Super Bowl decided, you know what, we're Patrick Mahomes, he's he's running, he's won twenty one points on us. You know what, we got to go with this giant beer can to help us win the Super Bowl. I'd pay to see that happen. I would pay to see a transforming truck, because if there's anything I like, it's giant truck mecca. Google it, kids. And I'm sure if the Bud Bowl was around today, you'd probably have like some like reference a couple of years ago to the Super Bowl blackout in New Orleans, probably, or some other stuff. Oh, you'd probably have the reference to what Chico said earlier, the Russell Wilson throw on the, the one-yard line instead of handing the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Oh, yeah, there, there would be all sorts of... References to Super Bowl histories or, of the past. Or, or, or the Philly special. Or the Philly special, or like you said, the, the lights going out, or Scott Norwood uh, being wide right. Or a halftime show complete with Naked Express. Or you could have Kevin Dyson just narrowly missing the goal line. Oh yeah, there's, there's so many historic references that you could uh, utilize in, in new ads like that, but alas... So how about... How about this? Katy Perry singing with two Clydesdales, and the one on the left is all out of whack. Oh my gosh! Oh, I, I would actually pay to see that. Yeah, I think the Puppy Bowl in modern days has kind of become our new replacement for the Bud Bowl. Or in Mike's case, it would be the Kitty Bowl. Oh, all those bowls. I, I, I love watching both of them. Well... This was a nice little retrospective of, of, of Bud Bowl. If you're looking for past episodes, more information about the podcast, you can find everything about our little endeavor at www.itwasathingontv.com. 
please like and subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. We love hearing from you. We love your feedback and your submissions. Until next week when we go back to a regular two-episode schedule. And we're going to be talking about one series which is definitely out there. Most people probably wouldn't know about it. But the second episode is... Yeah, the the second episode is going to be an interesting one to cover. Um for reasons which, after you hear the title, will be quite obvious. So until then, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, all your contributions. Thank you, Greg, for what you did this episode. And thank you, Chico, for your contributions. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday with a new episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks very much. What a game, except for the basher banished to the showers. Maybe someday he'll realize that sportsmanship is just as important as recycling. So long, everybody. Where's that guy who banished my butter on my foot?